Well, it's September, and I'm expectant for good things. I find September a really energizing month. And maybe that's because all the way through my life, it started off with new beginnings. New, new, do you find that yourselves? Are you energized by September? I like your enthusiasm. You know, I'm, I, one of the things that's really energizing me, of course, is our Woodlands Church external strategic review. And my colleague Richard Pollard, who's here today, give us a little wave, Richard. So Richard's been, been really setting that up for us, and he's assembled an extraordinary team of men and women from around the country who are going to be helping us look at ourselves and see, are we positioned for the next phase of what God's called us to do as a Woodlands Church family? So thank you so much for doing that, Richard. But again, that raises my expectancy. Um, what is God going to do with us? God isn't finished with us yet. We've not plateaued. You know, we've got ground to take and growth to be doing. But um, part of, of today as well is, as we look at this subject of expectancy, we're positioning this little talk between our last series, which was looking at the Lord's Prayer, where we took different clauses from the Lord's Prayer and thought, what's Jesus trying to teach us? As well as teaching us to pray, what's he saying about what's important in our lives? But also as we look forward to our prayer week next week, and recognizing that prayer isn't urgent, but it's vital. You know, the, 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 the vital place prayer has in our life. And so... Um, We'll, we'll be talking a little bit about that this morning. But I also said that Expectant was a great series because at one time, Matt and Joy were a bit expectant. <laughs> um, carrying Gabriella. Joy was carrying Gabriella. But that story is something that, I suppose that little intimate window on the, 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 the genesis of that story. And we're going to hear a little bit from Matt and a little bit from Joy because they're very keen to give testimony to God and also to kind of share a little bit about yeah, in a, in a very intimate way about their own journey before I come and speak a little bit more about expectancy. So Matt's video is going to roll, I think, right now. Um, I'm Matthew Hyde. Um, I've been married to Joy for 12 years. And we have three children, Ezra, who's seven, Joshua, who's five. And this story is about Gabriella, our third child, who's now 15 months. Yeah, there's just like a, a thousand and one reasons why um, I didn't really want another, another child. Um, we had quite a comfortable living, um, the finances, it would be a bit of a stretch. And yeah, I was just very happy with our, our life of four of us in the family, really. And then obviously in, in March of 2020, everything changed um, with the pandemic. We were both working from home. She was upstairs doing lots of meetings and it was left to me really to, to try and work, um, juggle my work with looking after a three and a five-year-old boy, um, which, like, I've never really had any mental health issues. Never really suffered with anxiety. I think this 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 change, on many levels, just really started to affect me. Really, I think I tried too hard to to almost be like a super dad, try and do new things each day with the boys, try and juggle work, tidy the house, and I think it's, a, it's just the whole situation very unnatural to me. The, the, tensions and the pressures on me just just built up and up every day and it started to manifest itself with um, real issues sleeping almost like dreaded dreaded going to, to bed really so I was um, prescribed some sleeping pills and for the week and I've never taken anything um, like that at all really um, but they just made me feel really really low um, I had really dark thoughts that week, at kind of, and I didn't really correlate it with the sleeping pills because 
Um, I was having anxiety at the time, so I wasn't sure what was happening. Taking myself off, like, and just praying and saying, God, just, just help me, just, just don't let me go. I, I just couldn't see a way, a way through this. And um, yeah, that was easily the, the hardest week of my life. And um, somehow I managed to get through with God's, God's help. Uh, I came off these um, drugs and um, the withdrawal was, was, was pretty brutal. Um, it was really hard um, and it went on for, for a long time and it was a good probably 12 months before my mind was back to, back to how it should be. So yeah, the, this stress and anxiety hit me in a particularly strange way. Um, I started to sort of have performance anxieties um, in the bedroom, which is something that in 10 years of marriage I've never remotely had almost developed like a, a sort of phobia around um, having you know, intimacy with my my wife and it just it just started to consume me really we were watching sermons online sermons um, and there was a series of sermons on fruitfulness and one of these sermons particularly hit me I just felt in a strange way God kind of nudging me towards wanting me to have a, a third child just felt I, didn't, I couldn't really make, make much sense of it. So yeah, a couple of weeks later, it happened again in an online service, um, and I was shocked. Um, but then I shared it with, with Joy, and she was even more shocked. We prayed about it, and then uh, we just decided that, yeah, we should um, try for a third. Two and a half weeks later, um, Joy took a pregnancy test, and uh, the result, she came back and she was pregnant, which was, completely amazing because I mean Ezra took 11 months to conceive Joshua five six months so um, yeah and then we traced the, the, the date back um, later and it was the very day that we decided to um, try for a third child when Joy and I were thinking of baby names um, the name Gabriella just popped up and then Joy looked into the name and it says God is my strength and I was like yeah that's it um, I want to share this story because I just feel like no one knows what each person goes through. People might see me Sunday morning, see me with my wife, my children, um, laughing, smiling, um, and just think, oh, he's got it together. But obviously I do not have it together. <laughs> no one's got it together. Yeah, and during this time, I've really um, opened up more than I ever did, opened up to friends and family about issues that I've faced. And I found it's been very um, sort of liberating, really. And I've also learned um, that a lot of people I shared my issues with, They've had other issues that I never knew, and it's just really great just to share in our problems, really, and try and support each other. So yeah, during the last um, two years, I just really felt God just wanted me to trust Him and depend on Him, and not, not lean on my own strength. The revelation that I, you know God wanted me to have this child, um, it, it made no sense to me, but it's almost quite liberating for me, being like, I don't understand this at all, God, but I'm just going to trust you, and um, look how it's how it's turned out and I think it's amazing that through my trial um, something amazing and beautiful with Gabriella has, has, has come out of this um, and yeah she's a bit special. quite emotional actually watching that. Um, 
but Matthew really felt we were called to kind of share this with you all. So we know it's really intimate and personal, but we felt like it was really important to share. Um, I wanted to share Nehemiah 8.10, which says, the day, This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the background to this verse um, in the book of Nehemiah is that the exiles have just rebuilt the wall, and Ezra's reading the word of God. And so people are so emotional because some of these people have never heard the word of God, and sometimes, some of them it's been so long. Um, and Ezra and Nehemiah are saying, you know, don't cry. Today's a day to rejoice because God's rebuilt the wall. You know, he's, he's working and restoring us, and we're reading the word of God in the temple after such a long time. Um, and, you know, I think when COVID hit, it felt a lot like being in exile and just longing for a day where the city would be rebuilt and where we could worship together again. Um, and, you know, like this passage in Nehemiah, I think it's, it's about the joy of the Lord. Sometimes we don't feel that, but when we're in his presence, he can pour that joy out and give us strengths we, we never knew about. Um, and there was a song by Maverick City called The Joy of the Lord is My Strength. And I really made that my battle cry during everything that we were going through. Um, you know, it says, there's a savior in the valley place. He walks beside me and he knows my pain. There's going to be glory. There will be glory after this. There's no need to worry in this present suffering because there will be glory after this because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Um, you know, and I think it's like, that idea that God is with us, rebuilding us inside and out. You know, COVID has damaged and destroyed a lot of things. We've had loss of life, loss of relationships, the connections, the way that we knew the world before. Um, and also some of us internally, you know, just what we've struggled with mentally. Maybe not everyone's felt that, but, but we did. And so it really resonated with me to just rely on God and, and his strength. Um, and I had a real sense that, you know, God wanted us to feel his love, his joy, his presence, and let that be our strength. Let us have that sort of Nehemiah moment where we could say the joy of the Lord is our strength. Um, alongside Nehemiah's description in Ezra, the book of Ezra talks about the rebuilding of the altar and how emotional they all were when they laid the foundations of the altar. So it says in chapter 3, the older priests wept aloud when they saw the foundations of the temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. And in verse 13 it says, no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sounds of weeping because the people had made so much noise. And I feel like it's like that sometimes when we're in church. We're all bringing our own stuff, and some people are full of joy and excited about what God's doing, and some of us are weeping because of what we've seen, what we're going through, or what we've gone through, um, or even just the immensity of the moment in God's presence. Um, and I think, you know, there's a flood of those emotions when there's that sort of, you know, Nehemiah moment of experiencing the joy of the Lord. Um, for us, the past two years has been filled with struggle and joy. You know, Matthew has had sleepless nights and anxiety cripple him, um, and that's been really tough. But also, um, Matthew has experienced some real comfort. Um, and, you know, John read earlier Isaiah 41.10 that says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my right hand. 
And, you know, this verse was repeatedly in Matthew's life, prayed over him. He'd received like a letter and it was in there, you know, we, we'd be listening to Premier Pays, it would come on. It was just surrounding him, which, you know, really encouraged him in the midst of some really dark times. Um, you know, and I, weirdly, I had just such peace that God was going to heal him. And so I, I really just was praying over him that, you know, um, God would heal him and that, you know, that, that verse that who, he who has begun a good work in you will bring that to completion. And I just was saying it, it will come, you know. Um, and we had such great support from our home group and, you know, just, just loving us and supporting us. Um, and we had a real sense that God was like with us and sustaining us. And uh, the verse in Isaiah 46.4 says, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you and I will carry you. I will sustain you and I will rescue you. And, you know, this verse was with us. And, you know, I prayed that over Matthew. And, you know, God made Matthew and I knew that he would carry him through this tough season. And, you know, I think with like restoration and rebuilding, it takes time. You know, they didn't, the exiles didn't build the wall in a day. It took time. And I think we, we need to be kind to ourselves um, and we need to rely on God. You know, that Nehemiah moment, I knew it was coming for us that we would be able to rejoice and feel the joy of the Lord and see his glory. Um, you know, and I think when we look at Gabriella, um, we're quite emotional because we know what, what came for her to be here, and um, we know what Matthew had to get through. Um, and so, yeah, I think she's just this beautiful little gift, and it's something so beautiful that's come out of, of a really tough time. Um, and I think God wants us all to be in his presence and just be abandoned um, to just feel the joy of the Lord. And sometimes that can be really tough when you're in a season where that doesn't feel possible. Um, but I know that when we are in his presence, you know, he promises us, like in Isaiah 41.10, that he will strengthen us. And it says in Exodus 15.2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. And in Isaiah 12.2, surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And I think God wants us to be able to say that our strength, our song is in him. You know, and I, I think we just rejoice in the restoration and the rebuilding that God has done in Matthew's life. Um, and we thank him for this, like, beautiful gift that Gabriella is. Um, and we rejoice that God is the one who sustains us and will carry us and will strengthen us, and he will bring that joy. Um, and we want that for all of you. And so I know there's people here who are going to have all sorts of different things going on in their life. But God wants to be with you. And he wants to pour out his joy and love. Um, and we really felt called to share this because it, it was so big and so immense. It just felt like it has to encourage and touch other people as well. So, yeah. <laughs> That's just a bit. Matt and Joy, thank you for sharing so transparently with us. And I think one reason why you wanted to share was your awareness that behind the facade of Christian politeness, many people like us may be struggling. We may be struggling in our marriages. We may be struggling in our sexuality. We may be struggling with our mental health. We may have pressures. And actually, there's something about sharing and praying and being community and being real before God that can really help us get through. So thank you so much for your story and for sharing yourself and for Gabriella with us. 
And just very briefly, before uh, we go back into a time just to worship and pray at the end, what can we expect from God when we go through times of trouble, when we have prayers that we want answered, and it doesn't seem to be getting there? C.S. Lewis wrote um, a book called Prayer, Letters to Malcolm. And in that book, he said, the challenge is that if God always answered prayer, or God never answered prayer, we'd know where we stood. But the challenge with God is that sometimes God answers prayer. And that's tricky. Has anyone ever wrestled with that, that question themselves? You know, God sometimes answers prayer. And the prayers that God doesn't answer seem to me the obvious ones that he really should. God, why didn't you heal that person? Why did, you know, and sometimes the prayers that we feel are a little bit, well, that was just quite a light thing, and yet it gets answered. There's a real mystery and a real tension around prayer. And as I speak today, I'm speaking to some, as, as somebody whose theory is probably a lot better than my practice. So I, I'm, you know, I, I think there are people who are prayer warriors who are more experienced in prayer than I am. But there's just a few little expect of, of um, reflections I just want to offer you as we think about prayer and as we go into a week of prayer. The first thing to say, really, is that prayer, for many of us, is all about asking. And the very language, prayer, the very word prayer, often uh, literally means to ask. But for the life of prayer isn't really about us. It's really about him. And so, first of all, prayer is about more about posture than petition. It's more about where we choose to place ourselves rather than what we're saying. And that reflects how we feel about our relationship with God. If you love someone, your highest goal is to be in their presence. How many people um, have ever fallen in love? Put your hand up if you have. Now, love uh, kind of morphs and transmutes over life. But when you fall in love, you want to be with the beloved, don't you? I, I can remember when I was going out with my wife, Tina, who um, uh, was at York University. I was at Bristol University. I remember there, there was a kind of, she was on the train from Taunton, which was home, to York. I was in Bristol, getting on my bike, belted down to Temple Mead, so I could have two minutes talking with her through the window of the carriage before she carried on her journey to York because I wanted to be with the beloved. Part of prayer and knowing God in prayer is wanting to be with the beloved. And when we look at our prayer, our appetite for prayer and our love for God really link. But for Jesus, who taught us to pray, he loved to be in the presence of the Father. And when you're with the beloved, words aren't always necessary. Psalm 131, I've stilled and quietened my spirit like a weaned child within me. That's the psalmist coming into the presence of God. I don't concern myself with things too, too wonderful for me. It's not particularly about my petition right now. It's about the presence of God. So in prayer week, we want to encourage you to practice the presence of God. Give him some time. Why not book into that 24-7 prayer room where you can have some space free from distraction? Because that is the number two thing about prayer. Prayer is contested. We've got some Bible verses which I've not read. Luke 18, which talks about a parable Jesus said when he said, always pray and never give up. And he talks about a widow who is seeking justice. She's powerless. 
all she's got is her haranguing of the corrupt, unjust judge. And in the end, he says, she's going to wear me out. I'm going to answer her petition. And Jesus says, but will not God answer the prayers of those who call on him? And quickly, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? It's an enigmatic, cryptic parable, isn't it? Here's Jesus saying to us that God will answer your prayers quickly in the context of a parable about always praying and never giving up and about something that took time. There's a tension there which you can explore at your leisure. <laughs> what is it? Does God's quickly look the same as your quickly? It may not. However, we won't go there. It took, I haven't got time to explore that one, but I'd like to. But praying and not giving up because prayer is contested. And the thing about prayer is, God is not going to come knocking at your door and say, pray now. It's not like the telephone going. It's not like the notification on your smartphone. It's going to be voluntary. It's going to be coming from you. Because we, we need to distinguish in prayer between the urgent and the vital. And too many Christians only pray when it's urgent. And that means we pray when we're in trouble. Most of us pray when we're in trouble, and we've not practiced praying when we're not in trouble. We've let urgency trump the vital nature of prayer that's going to be part of our life, and that's cultivated by presence, and actually it's cultivated by silence. For myself, in my inadequate praying, when I try and pray, one way I, I kind of think about praying is kind of thinking out loud before God. And I kind of want to commit my days before God and feel that he knows my thinking. Now, the reality is I forget that God's listening sometimes. And, and I think things that I'd, I'd rather him not hear. Does anyone ever do that? It's like when you're in a community house, you're having private conversations with your wife, and then you think, who's in the lounge next door? And you look, and there's Tibbs. Anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but, but honestly, thinking before God is, is one way of praying. But that's like kind of having a chat with your partner when you're doing some domestic work or going for a walk. It's not the same as having a date night of giving that exclusive time. And I just want to encourage us as people of prayer, wanting to see what God's doing to make time to listen to God. C.S. Lewis, in his book, The Screwtape Letters, talks about noise and, and, and the, the, the senior devil there writes to the junior one and says, we fill the whole world with noise. We're silencing. You know, we're, 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 we're getting rid of the silences of the melodies of heaven. One day the whole earth is going to be full of noise. We need stillness to listen to God because prayers that are praying the will of God are more likely to be answered than prayers that pray the will of David Mitchell. You know, when, when Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray, your will be done. And Jesus himself lived a life of utter dependency on God, which is why he prayed so much. And he lived a life where he tried to keep in step with what God was up to, what the Father was calling him to, to do what the Father was doing. He said, I only do what I see the Father doing. How did Jesus discern what the Father was doing? He did it in prayer. Do you remember that time when he was leading a bit of a revival in Capernaum and, and went early in the morning to pray and, and his disciples said, come on back, there's a lot going on here. It's very urgent. There's lots of fruit here. And he said, no, I've got to leave this place. The Father sent me somewhere else. That's how he lived his life. And it's more fruitful to bless what God's doing than to ask God to bless what you're doing. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't ask God to bless what you're doing. Maybe sometimes that's all the info we've got is, God, I'm doing this help. I need you. 
and, and, and God is okay with our petitions about all the stuff that we feel we need. But I think if we can learn to pray what he's doing and to bless that, we move prayer to another level. And honestly, the, the prayer foundation of our church has been very much Rob Scott Cook. And the way that Rob has prayed has been like that. Persevering in prayer. You know the stories. Rob praying for his brother for 20 years. And then his brother saying, I think God's on my case. Or praying for this building when it had gone off the market for nine months. Then hearing God say, go back to the estate agents. You've heard those persevering in prayer stories. But also the way that Rob prays, prays is, God, what are you up to? And in the lists and kind of routines of prayer, having an eye open, God, what are you showing me right now? What are you leading me to? And those prayers often being the really significant ones. I want to commend to you prayer that listens, God, what are you doing? The nudges that seem to come from God, that come from the Holy Spirit. I want to be open to the promptings of God. And it's space to pray, space to, space to listen, space to bring things before God, and in that say, God, in this, what are you doing? I probably ought to stop, actually, didn't I? Come back tonight. There'll be more. <laughs> um, we're going to just go into worship. We're going to finish worship. We've just got five minutes, actually. And then we're gonna, and during worship, we're going to pray. And I want to encourage you, as we go into worship, if you have a need, come and get prayer. It might be like Matt. You had a time in your life. You're in a time in your life now where there's anxiety. It may be that coming out of COVID, your life has been so disruptive, you think you need some rebuilding. It may be that you have a physical need in your life right now, that you're sick and you need healing. It may be that today you just need the presence of God. And in coming for prayer, you're saying, I want to be in a place where you bless that desire, that appetite for God and this place of encounter. But whoever you are, however you are, do come in your own time. A little group of us, prayers, will be down there. Nick, I haven't seen you for ages. Good to see you.